Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham, Scott, physically distancing. As always, hello, Scott. Sean, big news today. Big news. Oh, wow. Oh, what is it? Yeah, I bought a pair of skates. Hey, hey, hey look at you. Oh, I was so uh, excited by the prospect of skating on the canal, as you told us about last week, that uh, I said, what the heck? And I went out okay. and I joined droves of Canadians who are buying uh outdoor equipment this winter uh got my skates they're all sharpened up so i'm ready to take them on a on a little test ride on the canal later this week nice now scott it does beg the question do you know how to skate oh i definitely know how to skate okay when was the last time you were on skates so we went skating at parliament hill a few years ago maybe it was 2017 uh, at christmas time and yeah that was fine I, okay, and the, and the time before that? Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> high school? <laughs> right, so you're not a regular skater. No, which is why I haven't owned skates in yeah. many, many years. Uh, but the, listen, no, nobody needs to worry. I didn't go out and buy, you know, top-of-the-line Bowers or anything. I got uh, a, a skate that will serve me well for the single digit number of times I plan to skate every year. <laughs> All right. Well, that's good. Well, congratulations, Scott. Yes, the canal is open here in Ottawa. The whole distance is now available. If you are local, the entire 7.8 kilometer stretch of the Rideau Canal, that, or at least that 7.8 kilometer stretch that they turn into the skateway, is now open all the way from downtown through to Dow's Lake, down to Carleton University. It is an exciting moment. And with the weather turning next week all across the country, including here in Ottawa, looks like it might be a nice run for the canal this season. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, so uh, as we look to getting outside, Scott, we're also looking forward to staying inside a little bit over the next month. Curling is on TV coming up. We've had a lot of streams. There's a lot of curling news Part of it related to the bubble that is still looking like it's going to happen out in Alberta for the Curling Canada events and then eventually the two Grand Slam events later in the year. We also have some other international news. So we thought it would be good as we ramp up to what looks like it will happen now. I'm I'm more confident that it's actually going to happen now than I was a month ago. But we thought we would look into all the curling news as we prepare for what could be a fun 10 weeks of curling action. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this week, or this past week, as you mentioned, we had the fields starting to fill out a little more. So why don't we start with some of that provincial news, Sean? Yeah, so let's start way out east, the most easternly province in the country. We are going to talk about the Newfoundland Men's Championship this was a very exciting final, and we're going to focus on the final for this discussion. Greg Smith, who we all saw at the Briar a couple of years ago, an excitable player, I think that's fair to say, uh, and I think he would say that too, based on his social media posts. Yep. He's aware of his excitability on the ice. 
he gets the win over Colin Thomas in the final. And it's not so much that Greg Smith wins this game, Scott. It's how this game happened. And Colin Thomas was in control. He had a two-point lead in the 10th end. Greg Smith had the hammer, had to hit and stick in the 10th to get his two, and he does. And then this is where it becomes very unfortunate for the Thomas team. They played the 11th end perfectly, absolutely perfectly, to the point where on Greg Smith's last one, all that is in play is a Colin Thomas biter on the just around the nine o'clock spot. If you're looking down at the house from up above, Greg Smith tries a bit of a hit and roll. I think with the intent of you put it out on the wings, Thomas is probably going to try to hit it. Maybe he rolls out and you get a 12th end. Greg Smith rolls out there and Scott, Colin Thomas has a draw. There are no rocks in play. Put it in the paint. He goes to the briar. Yeah, and... Uh, another caveat to this shot, Sean, is that during COVID times, there's not you're not allowed to sweep the rock behind the T line, right? The so, opponents, the opponents. Yeah. So you can't come out and sweep your opponent's rock if it's looking like it might be a little bit heavy, right? And, and yeah, the, this it, it, in retrospect, like in the moment, and then watching it back, this is a difficult thing to watch. Colin Thomas throws it. It is heavy the whole way. The front end doesn't touch it. And then everybody in the arena is just helpless and watching it. The Colin Thomas team, the Greg Smith team, watching this rock come through the house. And it it's deep enough that it's out of play, or excuse me, out of the rings, but not out of play. Like they they stood and had to look at it for a few seconds before determining that it was out. And it, it's one of these moments that you don't see very often. You don't see a lot of 12th ends, certainly at the highest levels. And you don't see them that way. You might expect a hit and roll out, which is, I, I think, what Greg Smith was going for. But to just see that, it, it's a heartbreaker. And I feel for Colin Thomas, I posted on Twitter after the game that we should all send positive vibes his way. I've missed shots in similar situations where you just have to make what is considered a pretty straightforward shot to win a game, obviously in much, much lower stakes. And when you miss them, I can still tell you about some of them. And Mm -hmm. these are just regular Thursday games. So to have it happen in that moment, really feel bad. Hope he can get back to that level. Hopefully he gets to a briar someday because he did everything he needed to to make the briar he just didn't make that last shot and this is one of these moments scott where in sports there's the discussion a lot of did a team win or did the other team lose and unfortunately i think this has to go in the category of colin thomas's team losing the game at least in the 11th end we will talk about the 12th end but when you look at the 11th end this is just a, a situation that i'm sure he'll look back on whenever his career is over and that that'll be one that he thinks about well, uh, Sean, this you, you mentioned we'll talk about the 12th end. So this kind of reminds me of the Bill Buckner uh, ball through the legs. Like that was game six. That didn't lose the Red Sox the World Series. But when you have a mistake like that, it's really, really hard to come back uh, the next go around and be able to put it aside. And th- this team, they weren't able to do that in the 12th end of this game. 
No. And so we come back into this 12th end and the Smith team plays it really well. The Thomas team doesn't quite get the peels they want. Can't keep it quite open. Now, Greg Smith does have to make a triple run to sit one on his last one. And to his full credit, he makes it. And it's on a bit of an angle. Very, very difficult shot for Greg Smith. He makes it. Puts Colin Thomas in a very difficult spot. It was hard to tell. This was this wasn't quite as bad as the Northern Ontario Provincial Championship level of stream, but it certainly wasn't the Saskatchewan level stream. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a stationary camera behind the ice. You didn't get an overhead shot, so it was a little hard to see the angles. Colin Thomas certainly thought he had a, a shot around a guard. It was hard to tell from the angle that we had on the feed, but he crashes out front, can't make it, and. I mean, if he makes that shot, yeah, no one's going to remember that mm-hmm. shot in the 11th end. Or if they do, it's sort of part of a funny story now. And everyone's laughing about it immediately. Unfortunately for him, doesn't make it. And Greg Smith comes out on top. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And uh, Colin Thomas' team was the team that Greg Smith played in their first uh, first draw of the round robin that we talked about last week and how Greg Smith made like an amazing shot uh, an angle run back uh, to yeah. basically set himself up to win in the, uh, in the last end of that game. So, you know, pretty uh, interesting that these two teams that meet at the beginning, they come back and meet again in the last game and have another crazy ending. So uh, yes, uh, entertaining stuff. The, uh, the Newfoundland tanker this year. Yeah. Highly entertaining. So congratulations to Greg Smith. If you go and watch the moment where Greg Smith wins, just pay attention to his leap. And uh, I think, Scott, I put this on Twitter as well, that I think we're going to have to go to some sort of forensic analysis to see who has the better vertical, Kevin Cooey 2017 trials or Greg Smith 2020 or 2021, excuse me, Newfoundland tanker. They're pretty close if you look at the, uh, <laughs> the, the angles that we have. So, uh, but hey, you know what? They just won a provincial championship in a year that has been just awful. So, you, you know, there, no, no harm in celebrating. Go for it. I just enjoy, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, the patented curling celebration <laughs> is to jump and have us debate on the podcast. How <laughs> able to jump. Yeah. And to be fair, I mean, I wouldn't jump as high as I could. And because in both cases, the slider is exposed in these two jumps. So yes. I'm going to say that the vertical is less than it would be on dry land or with a gripper because you don't want to give it too much. One, because you're not probably pushing off your left foot very hard. And two, you don't really want to go too high because it's dangerous. Very dangerous, Sean. Very dangerous. So uh, so congratulations to Greg Smith. Uh, very exciting stuff there. Let's shift over to another island out there on the East Coast, Prince Edward Island. No real surprise in the results here. Eddie McKenzie and Suzanne Burt both sweep their series. They are now going to represent Prince Edward Island in the bubble. I think one of the more exciting things about this is that Suzanne Burt is going to now with an additional game in the round robin, which we'll get to. She might break the record for most points in uh, in a Scotties ever. And we also get to see Kathy O'Rourke who is, of course, on this team this year. She is a lot of fun. We talked about her last week in the Name That Shot 
one we used one of their shots from 2010 or a shot in their game in 2010. Mm-hmm. So it'll be fun to see Kathy O'Rourke back. I, Suzanne Burt will get at least one TV game, probably a couple when you look at the schedule. So it'll be fun to have Kathy O'Rourke back on our television screens. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, Sean, that's uh, that, that went pretty true to form, uh, those results. Just before I move on too much, uh, we should note that Sarah Hill and her rank beat uh, Mackenzie Mitchell, also of St. John's in the Newfoundland and Labrador Women's Provincial. Uh, so that was the best three out of five as well between those two teams. And Sarah Hill will be the representative at the Scotties. Yes. Yes. My apologies for missing that. Thank you, Scott. Hey, that's what I do. And, <laughs> and Sean, so PEI, like, like I said, went pretty true to form. And so yeah. that victory by Suzanne Burt solidified what was going to happen with the wild cards at, uh, at the Scotties. And I think we have one more to get to before we'll talk about that, but that sort of gave, uh, gave some clarity to how the field would play out. Yeah. Well, let's just get to that right now. So the situation was that if Suzanne Burt had lost, she still would have been in, she would have been the third wild card team because she was ranked ninth on CTRS last season, which is how Curling Canada decided the wildcard teams. But with their new biggest fans, Team Beth Peterson, out in Winnipeg cheering them on, they, of course, win. So Mm -hmm. Beth Peterson and her squad will make their debut at the Scotties, and it puts another Manitoba team in. All three wildcard teams are from Manitoba, plus Team Manitoba as Jennifer Jones and Team Canada as Kerry Anderson and Scott, we have five Manitoba teams in the 2021 Scotty's field and it, with a big assist to Suzanne Burt. Yeah. And uh, good, good job by us in crowning Manitoba, the uh, top curling. Product. <laughs> yeah. We were on that first. <laughs> yeah. Let the record show. We had it first. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Beth Peterson is in, and then the final team to fill out the Scotties field that was played up north this weekend, and on the women's side, Carrie Galusha wins the Northwest Territories. Her team out of Yellowknife will make another appearance at the Scotties. On the men's side, of course, Jamie Cooey announced that his team was not going to play. So Greg Skog, I hope I pronounced that correctly. That team wins. Tom Nogler's on that team, so we'll get to see Tom again in the field, which is always fun. But uh, a different team on the men's side, but Kerry Galusha, a very familiar face, will be back at Escotty. It's always fun to see them in the field. Yeah, it's uh, sort of expected at this point for them to to come down from the territories, but uh, looking at their celebration, they were pretty excited by it Yeah, uh, for sure. So, yeah, a good Good field for the Scotties. Yeah, so the entire field of 18 is now set. We've gone through it a couple times on the podcast before, and we'll do a full team preview, a full mega preview of the Scotties in a couple weeks as we look ahead to it. But just looking at the field and initial impressions, I think it's a pretty strong field overall, and I think it'll make for a fun week. So... No real complaints with the field this year. Yeah, I looked at the pools, and I guess we'll get to that in a second. 
Yes. Uh, but it seems to me like in pool A, it's going to be Anderson and, and Holman will basically mow down the rest of the competition due respect to the wildcard teams and, and Laura Walker. But uh, anyway, like you say, we'll talk about that more and I'll have more of a think about it before our, <laughs> yeah, it's um, just me like reacting to the draw right off the top of my head. All right. Well, all right. Well, let's just talk about the, the format and the draw, which curling Canada released yesterday because you mentioned it, Scott. So pools, as we are used to, but this year there are going to be two pools of nine teams because we have 18 teams. This means that the result is that we do not have a page playoff system this year. So each team will play eight game round robin from Friday. The the wild card slot on Friday night, that wild card game, that is going to be a full four game draw then we have three draws saturday sunday and then nothing monday morning just the afternoon evening draws monday wednesday excuse me tuesday wednesday thursday thursday full days friday saturday two draws a day as has been typical in the championship pool which means the playoffs have to be done completely on sunday including a potential tiebreaker situation so the way it's going to work is that as we have seen at the canada cup every year and at olympic trials top three are going to make the playoffs whoever finishes first right to that final sunday night second and third in a semifinal. if we need one tiebreaker it'll be played sunday morning presumably it doesn't say this on the schedule but if you have a situation where you might need multiple tiebreakers you do have a slot available late saturday night that you could fit another tiebreaker in if necessary. But Scott, this could be a pretty rushed, or this will feel rushed for the playoffs, but we'll see how it plays out. And just on first blush, how do you feel about this? No page, the full team continuing the championship pool as we've seen the past couple of years. Just what was your initial reaction to this? Um, I love it. I don't think that... <laughs> There's been a team that's finished fourth that has won in a long time. There's a few third place teams. Right. And honestly, if things stay clustered the way they've stayed clustered the last couple of years with the, this pool format, there will be a tiebreaker. So I don't think the f- team that finishes fourth will really have much, m- like many complaints. Uh, I think maybe two years ago there was three teams nine and two and one team eight and three by the end of the, the championship pool. But I I anticipate it to be more like, yeah, maybe one team nine and it's going to be different numbers now, but maybe like 12 12 games. So yeah, maybe like 10 and two or 11 and one. And then the nine and nine and threes, eight and fours are, are sort of all in the mix. And I, I believe there will be a tiebreaker. For this this is my first bold prediction okay and i i we'll see i mean i i'm i sort of jotted down as i was thinking about this yesterday i think nine and three is going to be that number it's going to be hard to get to four and still have a chance and what's exciting about that to me at least is it puts greater emphasis on it i mean this format already did that but on some of those early week games so when you see that upset that we had last year where Team Nunavut wins a game, that could be meaningful. So it, I think this will be a lot of fun. 
it'll put a lot of pressure on teams and you can't really afford probably to have a slow start in this event. So I think it'll be really curious to see how teams navigate this. The downside to this though is we saw this last year a little bit. If you finish fourth in your pool, you're you're hard pressed to get into the playoffs anyway. I think this will really potentially just put it out of reach coming into it, which is why I wondered if they might go to a three-team championship pool so that you could still have a full page. But I, I understand why they're going with this format. Yeah, the other uh, idiosyncrasy to the uh, to the draw is that there's going to be one team from each pool that has a buy every draw. Yeah. So you are going to run into cases where if your team is on the buy when you're playing the middle time slot, uh, you're going to be off for an entire day. And yeah, I, Devin Hero tweeted that he thinks every team has a full day off. Okay. In this format, yeah. So... You know, it's it's nice to be able to rest, but these teams, you know, uh, the ice is changing every day. They want to be out there. They want to uh, get a feel. You know, you want the feel for it, right? It's kind of like baseball, where you want to be, you want to play every day. You don't want, you know, two or three days off to get out of rhythm. So yeah, uh, we'll and see how that. Bored. There's there's nothing else to do. Yeah, you're <laughs> in the bubble, right? You can't in a bubble. Yeah, I don't even think you're going to be able to go to the rink and watch. I would be surprised, yeah, if that were allowed. I yeah. mean, they'll have practice. I would assume it, the, a team yeah. that is off for the day will have a practice slot at night. But it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be tough for those teams to fill in that day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So that's the format. That's the announcement. I'm a little bummed at no page, but hey, it is what it is for 2021. Well, I'm not. And Sean, the, the I'm weekend pour one out. The weekend always felt like so slow compared to everything else. Right, I, I guess. Oh, and then here's the semifinal, and here's the <laughs> one-two, and it just, uh, just get it. So over you with. want to abandon the page? Um, I, I'm not against the page. I like that it gives gives a second chance, right? But uh, the, the incentive is there now to finish first versus finishing first or second. Right, that is so, true. Uh, everything's yeah. meaningful. It's like college football. Right. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get more into the pools and who we think has an advantage based off of the draw. It's divvied up the way it has been in years past where it's based off of rankings and uh, the pools are divided that way in a way that is hopefully even. But as we've seen, not always even. Remember a couple of years ago in the championship pool, one of the pools won all the games <laughs> in the crossover. So yeah. not, you know, you can try based on the rankings, but it doesn't always play out that way. So very interesting to see how that will play out. Another thing that will be fun to watch, Scott, is that we have seen a lot of announcements of fifth players who will be going into the bubble. A couple notable ones. We won't go through them all, but some of the notable ones that I put down here, Jennifer Jones announced that Renora Westcott is going to be their fifth player. Of course, Don Askin, Don Askin, excuse me, Don McEwen uh, out of this event Uh, expecting her child. So we'll have Lisa Weagle there as the lead and Renora Westcott is there as the fifth. I'm putting the over under on uh, Monday afternoon for the Vic video essay about her grandmother. Okay. I might take the under. Yep. Uh, Great story. And if you don't know about Renora Westcott's grandmother, Google that. Uh, Great story. Great story. I agree. 
Uh, Rachel Homan has selected an Ontario player as her fifth. Uh, Danielle Inglis will be the fifth player. Local to us, Scott, she has beat us at events before and probably will do it again. Uh, but exciting to see Danielle Inglis there in the field. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll call Danielle a friend of the podcast. I don't know if she knows that she is. But, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll call her that. And uh, a lot of people in the curling world familiar with Danielle and her work with Curling Canada as a social yeah. media coordinator. So uh, yeah, always great uh, presence on the bench at events like that. And uh, we'll get her chance to go in and play in the Scotties. Pretty exciting. Yeah, we'll see what happens with the Curling Canada social media stuff if it takes a significant uh, hit and uh, the quality decreases with Danielle playing. Hmm, hmm, interesting. Yeah, we'll see who has to, uh, or who's the one who's going to backfill behind. Yes. And then, of course, the biggest news in terms of fifth players, or in this case, a replacement, Tracy Fleury opting out of the bubble, her team from Gimli. Or excuse me, East St. Paul, they qualified as the first wildcard team. Of course, they were in the wildcard game last year, losing to Jennifer Jones. Scott, she has a young child and she's opting out, citing uh, health reasons, uh, taking care of the specifics. As I've said on the show before, she doesn't owe us any specifics on that, uh, but opting out choosing to stay home, very emotional in all the stuff I've seen. This was a, a clearly a very difficult decision for the family and s- similarly difficult for Chelsea Carey, who is going to step in, is going to skip this team. She talked about how it was emotional for her, knowing the situation that Tracy Fleury was in. Obviously, Tracy Fleury wants to play, uh, but is making this decision. So Chelsea Carey is, you know, ba- again, based on the interviews that we've seen, feels like this responsibility to Tracy Fleury and almost wants to you know, carry that torch for her and do right by Tracy Fleury and the team coming into this. This is, I don't know if it's a, a necessarily a, a no-win situation for Chelsea Carey, but it's certainly a very difficult situation for Chelsea Carey to come into and for the rest of the team. Having not played together, that communication will be difficult to put it all together so I'm, I'm curious to see this, how this will all play out. I'm excited that Chelsea Carey is going to be there. Great shot maker. We always like seeing her. Very tough spot, though, for these teams or for the team to be in. So what, what was your reaction to seeing this news of Chelsea Carey coming in? So obviously the, the first reaction is you hope that uh, Tracy and her family are, are okay and get through everything. Uh, as best you can, you know, uh, our, our thoughts are all, all with them. Turning to the impact on the ice, I think this is perfect for Chelsea Carey, Sean. Uh, it's not like a lot of these other teams are going to be, you know, super sharp. Nobody had a season right. in the fall. So for her, if she's going to ever parachute into a team, I think this is the year to do it. And we know that she's still been throwing stones on the side because she's like a curling junkie. <laughs> and, and like you say, she can make shots. Uh, it's not like these, uh, the players are strangers to her. Uh, I, I think uh, like, I don't think they lose that much and they might even gain because as good as Tracy Fleury is, 
uh, Chelsea carry is, is a level higher. So it's whether it's whether the dynamic, the team dynamic can hold up for a week. And we've seen with Chelsea carry, despite any, any problems with team dynamic that she's had in changing teams so often, uh, she's been able to bring it together for, for a week. So, uh, you know, I think this elevates team flurry. Yeah. Chelsea carries winning percentage at Scotty's is insane. It's remarkable. She is, she's an exceptional player, two-time champion. And the pushback I would have to that. And, and again, we'll talk about this when we get to the preview, when we've had more time to really delve into this is I wonder about the communication we we saw with the, the team last year over the past couple of years that Chelsea Carey was getting away from numbers a little bit and the times and being so devoted to the stopwatch and Tracy Fleur and her team, they use the, the times a lot. So it's just going to be a case of how do they map out that level of communication? How does the front end talk to Chelsea about the speed of the ice in a way that works for everybody involved? And it'll be curious to see how that plays out in real time because we're going to be seeing this team really communicate with each other for the first time on national television. So in terms of shot making, though, I agree. Uh, Chelsea Carey is one of the best in the country. Maybe, yeah, a little better than Tracy Fleury, but it is that team dynamic and the continuity and, and how important will that be? We'll find out and it'll be fun to watch because we like the members of Tracy Fleury's team. They're fun to, to watch and certainly Chelsea carries as well. So this, this is, I think, Scott, I hope they get at least a TV game Saturday, Sunday, just as just to see them as the initial reaction to it. And I hope TSN does that for yeah. us. Yeah, I, I wouldn't doubt it that, that they would get some kind of a, a showcase. Yeah, I'll say this too. Friday night, the feature game on TSN is going to be Carrie Anderson and uh, uh, Team Zacharias, uh, wildcard team number two. I'm calling my shot. That's the that's the TV game Friday night. That's uh, that's a good call. I'm I'm looking at the Saturday morning matchup, and uh, yeah, you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if it was uh, Chelsea Carey and and Tracy Fleury's team against Lorietti and the Nunavut ladies. Wow. I would be surprised by that. <laughs> It'll probably be Suzanne Burt against uh, Sherry Anderson. But uh, yeah. anyway, it's, uh, yeah, it, it'll be fun to, uh, how Sean, it'll just be fun to have curling on our TV. It'll be great, Scott. And, and if you look at the schedule for day one, let's just go through this. Yeah, it's going to be Suzanne Burt, Sherry Anderson, Saturday morning, uh, Saturday afternoon. I'm going to go with maybe... Beth Peterson and Rachel Holman Saturday night. That's where you're getting Chelsea Carey. It's going to be this Tracy Fleury team skipped by Chelsea Carey against Jennifer Jones Saturday night. That's I'm calling that for the first four draws. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. All right. So, uh, so yeah, I, I, we're excited for this again. Hope it happens. We're still over two weeks away. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Let's shift over to the Briar bubble. Some news coming out about that uh, in terms of the fifths. Uh, we have uh, for Brad Gushu and his team, Ryan Lambswood is going to play for them as the fifth. This is uh, another case of Brad Gushu bringing in a young player. And I, I wanted to point this out just because 
Ryan is a player who, who played with them in one of their events in Halifax. And this could be the a case of Brad Gushu kind of doing what Brad Jacobs did a couple of years ago with Tanner Horgan in trying to give a younger player experience at the Briar. Obviously, this experience at the Briar is not typical Briar experience, but get to go, kind of get to see what it's like, see what the scheduling is about, some of the additional responsibilities that go into this spiel versus others. So one of those choices that Brad Gushu has made, I think, with the future of Newfoundland curling in the back of his mind to get Ryan Lambswood there. So that's a, a great choice and one of these things that I like when teams, these established teams, do this. Yeah, and uh, Sean Ryan Lambswood, he came out the gate at the Newfoundland Provincial and ran the table until the last draw, uh, lost to uh, Greg Smith, and as a result, they were both 6-1. and one. Smith got yep. the buy into the into the final as the first place team, and then he lost the semifinal to uh, to Thomas. So, uh, yeah, has uh, played with Gushu as you mentioned. Uh, very good young player. Uh, it will be it, it will be very good experience for him to come to the Briar, uh, see how everything goes, and you know come back strong in next year's Newfoundland Tankard because. Uh, there's no guarantee that Brad uh, Brad Gushu will be playing in next year's Tankard. So, no, absolutely, he could either be Team Canada again, or he could be on his way to Beijing for the 2022 Olympic Games. Exactly. So, uh, the other news on the men's side, uh, Team Glenn Howard. They are t- the third wildcard team, along with Mike McEwen. And Kevin Cooey and Scott, great news. Wayne Mada is going back to the Briar. He will be their fifth player. I hope he plays just so we can call line once on a on a TV game because uh, that that's one of my favorite things. Darren Molding, Darren Molding is a close second, but Wayne Madaz, he's the kick. His his like no, like not yeah. close. He sort of laughs, yeah, on both, like on both the woe and the sweep. He's like, yes, yeah. Oh, it's great. Yes. Very good, very good. And Sean, I don't know if this was next on your list, but uh, Team Jamie Murphy. Yes, this is the big news. This is the big news. So they uh, are going to the briar, but the skipper can't make it due to his work commitments. Uh, They've brought in, Sean, the golden god himself. (laughs) <laughs> Donald is going to uh, parachute in and skip this team. Uh, we're all excited to have more Scott McDonald on our <laughs> on our screens. No more than uh, Ryan from Rocks Across the Pond, I'm sure. But uh, it, it it'll be really good uh, to, to see Scotty McDonald back there at the Briar again, and it won't be as much of a drop off from a shot making perspective from you know, Jamie to Scott, as we were anticipating it might be. No, I I agree. And yeah, Scott McDonald, the man who launched a million emails among curling Ontario folks a couple of years ago, Uh, he, he will be there. Yeah. This is going to be exciting. I think though, I, I get the Chelsea carry move, obviously the best skip you could get on the women's side coming in and, and not to say that Scott McDonald is not the best skip that they could have got to come in but a very different type of a skip than Jamie Murray or Jamie Murphy, excuse me, stylistically. And I think in terms of the shot making that they would lean to, you know, Jamie Murphy really 
especially the past couple years and last year in particular, watching him more in person, really leans to an open game, a lot of hits, and not really wanting to mix it up. That really isn't Scott McDonald's MO. He wants rocks and play, wants to mix it up. So it might be a bit of a, a clashing styles between him and the team. I'm sure they've talked about it and will establish what they want to do going into the event. But I'm 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 somewhat curious to see how that'll play out and which style will take precedence. I, I would assume it'd be Scott McDonald's style because he's the one in the house calling the shots. But just a bit of a, a variance there between the the way in which he plays versus the way in which Team Jamie Murphy has tended to play. Yeah, and I think, but I think uh, my my old adage of old adage <laughs> um, of you know you want to keep it open, keep it as close as you can for as long as you can, and yep. take opportunities when they're there. And I think when you're a team that's not played together, uh, that's something that you want to try and do. Chelsea Carey, a, a different story given her experience, but uh, that that's sort of what I would expect from from Team Murphy. And I, I agree. I, I think that is their best line for success in mm-hmm. the Briar. So it'll be it'll be fun to to see how that plays out. Maybe they'll get more of a TV presence this year. We will see. Schedule for the Briar has not yet been released, nor have the pools been released. So we would expect those. I don't know. Probably at some point during the Scotties. I would say. Yeah. Probably. Maybe even before. So that's all the news about the bubble and what's coming up for the bubble. Very excited for that. Uh, just a couple other items that we wanted to talk about. I would like to recommend to everybody an article that is currently posted on Curling Canada's website by Sabina Islam. She writes a first-person account of her family's relationship with curling. Her parents immigrated to Canada 50 years ago. And she writes a a very powerful piece about her family's relationship with curling. And Scott, this is somebody who you got to know a little bit last year at the Briar. Yeah, Sean, one of the, one of the great volunteers at the Briar there uh, working on the media bench, uh, very friendly, always available to uh, give us a helping hand. Uh, And uh, her son is also quite a good uh, young junior curler in the Kingston area. So yeah, it was pretty cool to see that article done about her and about uh, how much she brings to the curling community there in uh, in that part of the country. So uh, great read. Check it out. Yeah, 100%. We retweeted it on our account at Game of Stones Pod and available through Curling Canada as well. So would recommend that. Other pieces of news around the curling world, just some international news, Scott. Over in Estonia, no surprise there. Marie Terman wins the Estonian championship. We've seen her at various events before, but congratulations to them. And uh, it will be nice to see them represent Estonia again. Yeah. Yeah. No, no real surprise, but uh, pretty good. And the other piece of news, this is ongoing as we speak, but they are in the midst of the British curling elite finals hosted by British curling. This is an event that is currently taking place. As we speak, they have played six draws in what I believe is a double round robin. And uh, we have five teams, five men's teams, five women's teams participating. No surprise if you look at the standings on the women's side, Eve Muirhead is undefeated through her five games so far. On the men's side, 
Bruce Mowat and his team four and one. Their one loss was to Ross Patterson and his team, who is in second place or tied for second place as we speak right now with one round robin game left. Yeah, not uh, too surprising. I do think, though, that uh, it was James Crake and his team from Aberdeen that uh, actually beat Ross Patterson. I want to make sure that's right. Yeah, they okay. beat the next end yesterday. Uh, so yes. it was, uh, and, and I think Ross, they beat Ross White as well. So uh, strong showing from that young team there. Yeah, very impressive uh, to this point. They did lose their two games to Bruce Mowat. But yes, you're right. They did beat Team White as well. So we'll see what happens there. The finals or the end of this event, uh, the final of it, will be on Friday. So if you are interested in watching that, I believe they are streaming some of these events. So you can check that out. And if you missed it, Ryan from Rocks Across the Pond did put together his annual spreadsheet of curling streams available. So check that out. I believe this is included in that spreadsheet, but with curling coming back, the spreadsheet is back. Yes. Love it. <laughs> so, uh, Sean, one more thing that yeah. I had to say. So we've been hearing rumors and it seems like it's ready to go is that team Hasselberg is going to play against team Adin. Yes. On Sunday, the 7th, I've got a link here that I'll tweet out, which is about the uh, about the event, and I've translated it to uh, English because my Swedish is not so. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, I, I'm going to see if we can figure out a way to watch this uh, here in Canada, and if we find a link to be able to do that, we'll uh, be sure to send it around because that'll be great fun and and a great tune up for uh, just before Super Bowl, right? Yeah, it, it'll be a lot of fun to see. I believe the announced start time was 8.30 Eastern time here uh, where, where we are. That's so right. you can, you know, I'll Brian Williams this up. So, you know, 10.30 or 10 o'clock in Newfoundland, 9.30 in the Atlantic and so on and so forth. I won't do the full Brian Williams, but uh, yeah, 8.30 Eastern time, 5.30 Pacific time. And uh, yeah, fun event. Wake up Sunday morning. Have your breakfast, do whatever it is you do on a Sunday morning, and have two of the best teams in the world play as you watch along. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like I say, hopefully we'll figure out a way to watch. But uh, either way, we'll have our eyes on the line score. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, so there you have it. I think that's all the news in the world of curling, at least at the elite level right now, Scott, as we sit here in Ottawa. Uh, in Ontario, the provincial lockdown is scheduled to end as we speak on February the 11th. Some clubs are holding that hope that recreational curling will come back. And I know that's the case in various places across the country where there are certain facilities that are holding out hope that they will be able to get back onto the ice. We'll see what happens. I've been heartened to see the number of folks who have created backyard curling rinks who are going out to lakes and rivers that have frozen over with some stones and throwing or even jam can in some cases. It's been a lot of fun to see that uh, folks are still trying to get out there, get their curling fix in any way they can. And, you know, Scott, you lived in Vancouver and Victoria. I got to say, that's one of the downsides of living out there. You don't get those frozen 
lakes and rivers to do these sorts of things. Well, Sean, uh, there you go. That's the main reason I haven't had skates until now. <laughs> West Coast, you never see ice. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, hopefully everyone has, uh, you know, being safe. And if you've been able to get out there and, and do some sort of curling, uh, that's great. You know, send us some photos. It's been a lot of fun to see that online over the past few weeks as the weather has turned in most of the country and uh, it's safe now to get out on the ice. The ice is thick enough that you won't, uh, you're not endangering yourself by heading out there. Yes, that's right. That's right. So that will do it for this week. Thank you everybody so much for listening. If you have not yet, please do subscribe wherever it is you get the podcast, do the likes, the ratings, comments, do all that fun stuff really helps us out. And of course, if you want to let us know what you want to hear on the show, Game of Stones podcast at gmail.com. You can follow along everything that's going on on Twitter and Instagram at Game of Stones pod. Scott is there at Scott Likes TV. I am at the Sean Graham. And I think what I'm going to do here, Scott, is I'm going to tweet out my sort of temporary setup here because it's uh, the more I, I record in this setting, the the stranger it feels. Cool. Yeah, I'm excited to see. <laughs> so, uh, so definitely check everything out there and head on over to gameofstonespod.com. All of our past episodes are there, plus the link to the merch. We have the t-shirts available for $25 and all the proceeds are going to Food Banks Canada. We are matching those. At last check, $1,100 was the total donation or total num- total donations that we have made to Food Banks Canada as part of this since we started it. And uh, with the turn of the month, we'll have to do some math and see what the next donation will be. But please do check that out. And if you're interested in a shirt, please do head on over there. So I think that's it, Scott. What do you got on tap for this week? So, like I say, I got this uh, Hasselberg and Dean matchup. Looking forward to got uh, some skating on tap. Uh, might uh, take a little drive and on the weekend, go for a little hike in the country. Who knows? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just mostly trying to stay busy and stay safe and COVID free. Very nice. Well, and we hope everybody out there is doing the same. Again, thank you for listening. Stay safe out there, everybody. We'll be back with you again next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.